The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. In Romans chapter 3, the question is asked, what if some did not believe? The answer to this question separates most in the religious world from those of us who are primitive Baptists. All Armenians and most Calvinists teach that a sinner must hear and believe the gospel or there is no chance for him to be born again and to be able to make entrance into heaven. Primitive Baptists, on the other hand, stand on the Bible ground that our belief is not what gets us to heaven. It is not our faith, but rather it is the faithfulness of God that saves us from our sins. Join us today as we begin looking at the Bible answer to this important question, which will show us the true purpose of the gospel and will encourage us to preach it in a more fervent and zealous way. First, we have a song selection that I hope will be edifying and uplifting to you. Stay tuned after the song for the first half of the sermon entitled, Will All the Elect Hear and Believe the Gospel?
Tonight, I want to go away from our preaching from the book of Hebrews. I've had a topic on my mind that I think is very relevant and important. You might turn to the third chapter of Romans. In Romans chapter 3, in verse 3, there's a question asked that the world answers differently than what we believe the Bible answers. And it's a relevant issue because there's those we call Arminians that answer this a different way than we do. And many whom we call Calvinists answer this differently than the way we do. But I believe if we'll follow what scripture says, we'll come up with the right answer. And it's an answer that will help us to understand the purpose of the church and the purpose of our ministries, both as those that are called to preach and those who are uh, not preachers, because we all have a ministry uh, to those around us. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 3, we read the following. For what if some did not believe? What if some did not believe? He goes on to say, shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? But I want to deal with that question tonight. What if some did not believe? Now, I don't want you to leave here unclear tonight about what we believe and what I'm preaching. We can give no quarter in the fight against this idea that all the elect will absolutely at some point hear and believe the gospel because the word of God is clear that that will not happen. I can prove, hopefully we'll prove it tonight. And it's important that we understand that because, well, giving you a little preview of the preaching tonight, <laughs> that takes us a long way down the road towards absolutism. If you say that God has, has determined, predetermined, or even some would say predestinated that all of his elect children will hear the gospel. It also will go a long way toward negating the zeal that we should have as a church to preach the gospel. See, we ought to be inspired. We ought to be spurred on by this understanding and this desire that more and more people hear the gospel who are God's children. I realize the non-elect are not going to believe it. They're never, the reprobate's not going to, have anything to do with it, but there are, there are many of God's children out there who've never heard the gospel of the grace of God. Some have heard a version of it. Some have heard uh, parts of it. Some have heard none of it. But the church, the purpose of the church here uh, is to proclamate that gospel and to preach it. But let me come back to that in a moment. So the question is, will all of God's elect children hear and believe the gospel? Well, the first question we must answer is, will they all hear it? Will they all hear it? Well, let me break it down to another sub-question. Which gospel must they hear? <laughs> you know, the Mormons preach a version of what they call the gospel. They use the name of Jesus. The Armenian preaches a version of the gospel that uses the name of Jesus, but says you have to do something in order to avail yourself of it. I've heard the position promoted, not really among um, anybody I know in our, among our people 
here locally, but I've heard the position promoted by a few people who believe in the sovereign grace of God that, that only those who believe in the sovereign grace of God, only those that believe like we do, and let's just say it this way, only those that believe like primitive Baptists will be saved. <laughs> well, that's wrong, I hope, because that means there's not going to be very many in heaven. It's going to be a mighty lonely place up there because I don't know about you. I don't see Primitive Baptist churches on every corner. <laughs> and I don't hear Primitive Baptist preaching when I turn on my general radio, uh, Christian radio out there. So the question is, what do you actually, if you have to believe the gospel in order to be saved, what do you actually have to believe in order to really be saved? Okay. Can you believe that there was a historical man named Jesus and still be saved. Can you believe what the Gnostics preached? The Gnostics were a group that actually still exists today. They just don't call themselves that. And people don't realize that that's what they are. They say that Jesus really didn't come in the flesh. He just inhabited a body as a spirit. And then that body just kind of dissipated or he laid it aside. He didn't really die, in other words, because spirit could never become flesh. But they preached a version of Jesus. We hear about these Gnostic gospels that keep appearing. Archaeologists keep finding them throughout the world. The gospel of Judas was one I heard about. And there's the gospel of Thomas. And you go read those and you'll see that there's such a focus in those upon the spiritual side. And there's a reason they're not inspired. They're not in the scripture. As a matter of fact, you read 1 John and you read much of Paul's writings. And he's preaching against that Gnosticism that was rampant in that day. Galatians 1 and verse 6, Paul said, I marvel that you are so soon removed unto another gospel. So apparently there's another gospel out there. And he goes on to say, which is really not a gospel. But now he's preaching to people there who had at one time believed the true gospel and they had slid back into a belief in something else. Like I said, if it's only the gospel is preached by primitive Baptists that I consider to be sound primitive Baptists, then if that's the only people that are going to be in heaven, that's going to be a mighty small number. So, okay, how does that square with Scripture? You know, my opinion's good. Yours is good. We might differ, but yours is as good as mine if it's just an opinion. So what does the Scripture say about how many will be in heaven? Well, I read about... That very thing over in Revelation chapter 7. In Revelation chapter 7, as John the Revelator is given a vision into heaven, he, you know, God has sort of peeled back the curtain. He's let him see. He's let him see some things in heaven that men don't normally see. He's already been given a vision of the throne room, but, but he begins to see uh, some things here that, uh, beginning in that first verse, you'll see it's four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, and I'm not, I'm not intruding into the realm that Brother Buddy's been preaching on because he's preached that so, so ably uh, over the past several uh, months. But you can go listen to his. Uh, preaching on this and get a better idea of what it's talking about. But notice what he says in verse 9. He said, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, 
and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and under the Lamb. Look at what he's seeing here. I believe this is a vision that he's been given of the elect family of God. And he says, he didn't say it's a little pitiful number of people that were faithful that uh, understood and believed like, uh, like they're supposed to. Because I got news for you, even though we as primitive Baptists believe we've got uh, the best grasp upon the true gospel, we still get some things wrong. Can you believe it? <laughs> Can you believe you might be wrong? I might be wrong. Can you believe that? <laughs> But it's true, we still don't get it all just right. But here we see a people, it's a vast number, it's a great multitude which no man could number. No man could number. And it's out of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues. Right there tells me something that I need to remember when it comes to speaking about those who will, whether or not all the elect of God will hear the gospel. If you go back to chapter 5 and verse 9, we read about a group, a great number, but it says that they sing a song, a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God out of, by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. I read about a tribe down in the Amazon not too long ago that to this very day has had no contact with civilization as we know it. There's been no missionary there to preach about Jesus. There's a group on an island off the coast of Japan that people are forbidden to go to because the last time somebody kind of had a mental breakdown and he went there to try to contact these people. And I believe, if I remember right, Brother Craig, he was kind of had a missionary mindset. He was going to go preach to them because he believed they were dying and going to hell because they never heard the gospel. And when he showed up on their shores, they killed him. They killed him because they had no, have never had contact with the Christian world, and they want no contact with the Christian world. They're isolationists and all that. I read here that there are children of God among that kindred because those are kindred peoples. That's a kindred, right? That's a, that's a, that's a tongue. That's a, that's a family, basically. It's what he's talking about here. There were Plains Indians, American Indians, who went for generations before the, uh, the white man appeared on the shores here, the Europeans appeared on the shores here of North America, they went for generations worshiping only what they called the Great Spirit. They had no idea about the truths of these words. And according to most teaching today, if you're an Armenian, then you believe, if you're consistent with your theology, then you believe that because they never heard the gospel and never accepted the gospel and never gave their hearts to Jesus, they die and go to hell. And if you're a true Calvinist, you believe that, well, uh, since the gospel never got to them, there must not have been any elect children of God among them in the first place. Because that's the two sides of the coin, you see. I just read about, I read about a great multitude we just read it, which no man can number out of all nations and kindreds 
and people and tongues. Clearly, they were not all primitive Baptists. <laughs> Let's think about, we talked about which gospel they must hear. Let's, we're kind of getting already into this. How many are going to hear it? How many are going to hear it? Is it, only, is it only the evangelized world throughout history? It is, only, is it only those that have been evangelized by the Christian missionary or preacher that has gone out and told them about the gospel? Well, now, I can't put an exact number on those, that number of people that have been evangelized. But it would be much less than the entire population of the earth that's ever lived. I would say it's a very small minority. But I keep reading about a great multitude which no man can number. I keep re You can just about put a number on those that have actually heard the gospel. You can't number those that are children of God. They're, they're out of, again, they're out of every nation and people and tongue, okay? Well, all right, preacher, you, you've started something here, so let's, let's keep following out in the scripture. Let's, let's see what the Bible says. Turn over with me to Ezekiel, the third chapter. Let's see what the Bible says about evangelization and who will hear the gospel. In chapter 3 of Ezekiel, um, Ezekiel, of course, is prophesying here um, to the nation of Judah as they're about to be cast um, under the chastening of the, uh, uh, of the Babylonians. And God tells Ezekiel, he says, first he tells him to eat a roll and go speak, and he's telling him what to speak, and, and, um, and, 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 and he's talking about the, the, I'm not going to get into what the role is because I'm not sure if I have a grasp, great grasp on that. But notice what he says in verse 4. He said unto me, Son of man, go, get thee unto the house of Israel and speak with, with my words unto them. Now, now listen very carefully at verses 5 and 6. For thou art not sent to a people of a strange speech and of a hard language, but to the house of Israel, not to many people of a strange speech and of a hard language whose words thou canst not understand. Now look, surely had I sent thee to them, they would have hearkened unto thee. Notice what he's saying here. He's saying, I'm sending you to a specific people, the house of Israel, but you understand that that. If I had sent you over here to this strange land, there would have been people who would have heard you. They would have hearkened unto you. Well, I read that the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. But what he's teaching to them here is his word, and the word of God is a thing of the Spirit of God. That tells me there are people of God in these other strange nations over here. Because they would have heard him. They would have listened, but God didn't send them there. That, he didn't send them the gospel. The gospel went to this people of Israel, but they didn't get it over here, and yet there were children of God there. Well, that was Old Testament, preacher. Let's, uh, well, let's turn over to the New Testament. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 11. Let's read some words of Jesus here. Some people say, oh, I, I like the red words. Well, I like the red and the black words because they're all inspired. Uh, I love the words of Jesus, but I love the words of Paul. I love the words of Peter. All of them are inspired. Don't, don't make a difference in them. And in chapter 11 here in verse 20, after he's preached to uh, these folks here, he said, Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. 
You know, he had been doing these miracles. He'd been, uh, he'd been uh, 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 healing the sick. He'd been making the dumb to speak and uh, the blind to see and so forth. And, and they still didn't repent over here in the, in the land of Israel, the land of Judah. And look at what he said, verse 21. Woe unto thee, Chorazin. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. You mean to tell me, preacher, that those non-elect reprobates would have listened to Jesus if he just preached to them? No, that's not what he's teaching. An Arminian would say that. Calvinists would say that there's none of God's elect children over there. Jesus said, if I had preached to them, they'd have listened. You know what that tells me? There are children of God there. There's the elect of God living in these places in Tyre and Sidon. They just didn't hear the gospel. The gospel was preached to one people. It was not preached to the other. But that did not mean there weren't children of God over there. Jesus himself says that that's the case. Because there were some in Tyre and Sidon that would have repented if they'd heard it. Okay? Some say that, you know, we have some now who preach, and I guess they always have, but I'm, not, I'm speaking now of not just, you know, our Armenian brothers and sisters have always preached that the gospel is necessary to the new birth, that you have to hear the gospel and believe it and accept it in order to be born again. But there are many who, uh, who profess to believe the doctrine of election, uh, real similar to what we believe, that now say that the gospel is necessary to regeneration. In other words, you've got to hear the gospel, and some say, even go so far as to say, the Lord uses the gospel to somehow uh, energize you to make you born again. Okay? So some say the gospel is necessary to regeneration. Others say the gospel must get to the regenerated. That sure, they'll accept the fact that, well, you can be regenerated apart from the gospel, but if you're really a child of God, God has to get the gospel to you at some point in your life. Well, let's just think about that just for a second. What about the miscarried or aborted baby? Did they hear the gospel? Did they accept the gospel? Did they understand the gospel? <laughs> what about the mentally handicapped? We know people that are mentally handicapped that can't form the thoughts or don't have the thought, the, the mind to be able to engage in the thought process to be able to understand or even hear and process the gospel. You see, this view condemns millions of aborted babies to hell. And actually, I have to say, some years ago, it's been 15 or 20 years ago now, I was in a Sovereign Grace church where I heard a man preach who believed in gospel regeneration. And he made the statement in his preaching, he said, one of the reasons we need to stop abortion is because abortion is sending babies to hell because we can't get the gospel to them. And I'll give him, I'll give him points for being consistent, brother buddy. <laughs> you know, I'll give him points for being consistent. If you believe the gospel's necessary, 
In order for someone to be regenerated, then you got to believe that an aborted baby who never hears the gospel goes to hell. But you see, here's the problem with that thought. Not only does it condemn untold millions to hell, and, 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 it, and not only does it uh, uh, limit what God can do, it says in John chapter 3, just turn with me over there just for a second, in that great uh, passage there, that encounter between Jesus and Nicodemus, where he says you have to be born again, it tells us in John chapter 3 and verse Verse 8, how we're born again. And he tells us that every single person who's born again is born again in exactly the same way. This is, way, this is the new birth. The wind bloweth where it listeth. That means it goes where it wants to. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. Now just to stop there just for a moment. Let's understand what he just said. First of all, the new birth, which is brought about by the Holy Spirit, it's like the wind. When that new birth comes, it's like the wind blowing, and the wind blows where it wishes, where it listeth. Can you harness the wind? <laughs> can you stop the tornado? If you can, let me know. We'll go in business together, and we'll make a lot of money. Can you even really direct where the breeze is blowing? You know? So, so first of all, the, the new birth occurs at the wish of the birther, if you will. The wind bloweth where it listeth. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. Now the Armenian teaching is that you can absolutely predict exactly where the new birth is going to occur because it's going to occur to that person who follows all the steps that they set out that have to be followed. Maybe it's praying the sinner's prayer. If you pray the sinner's prayer, you'll be born again. See, I can tell where it, come, where it comes from, and I can tell where it's going, right? If, if that's the way it is. If you, um, uh, if you give your heart to Jesus, you accept him. If you, you know, I can tell where it's coming from, and I can tell where it's going, if that's the way it is. But what he says is, you can't tell where it's, come, where it's going. You can't tell where it's come from, but you can certainly tell it's been there. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.